This is the 12 Songs of Christmas. Today, with Steve Berlin of Los Lobos. Rawls, and this is my podcast looking at the world behind Christmas music. My theory is that conversations on Christmas music find their way into a lot of corners of American life. And today we're talking about an alternative body of Christmas music. On the new Diego Navidad, the band's new album on Rhino Records, Los Lobos recorded an album of Christmas songs that are predominantly sung in Spanish. And most won't come to American ears writing waves of nostalgia. Yes, they cover Jose Feliciano's Feliz Navidad and the 1958 novelty song Donde Esta Santa Claus. But most of the songs will be new to an American audience. Some of them were even new to members of the band, as you'll hear in our conversation. Because one of my interests in Christmas music is how it fits into the careers of the artists who make it, Berlin and I talk a little inside baseball on how Los Lobos work. And those internal mechanisms do help shape the album. Let's get going then. This is Steve Berlin of Los Lobos on 12 Songs of Christmas. So how did this project start? Basically, it... uh came together um it was an offer from uh, uh records you know to do specialty records as a as their main deal so they approached us with it uh it so happened that it's been something that we've spoken we've thought about doing numerous times over the years but for whatever reason it just never you know it takes or um it takes up <laughs> like somebody asking us to do it to actually make it happen so uh, the timing was right. Um, initially, when they called, I think they thought um, it was going to be for next year because uh, it was, you know, by that point it was June, I think, when when the discussions were happening and it was getting finalized. And they they just said, well, you know, if you guys can pull it off by uh, basically it was like the middle of July, we can possibly get it out this year. So we just took that. Uh, that we did uh, somewhat miraculously, I will add, but we did. Are, are y'all normally fast workers? No, we're brain but fast workers. We would be <laughs> the literal opposite of fast workers. <laughs> so, uh, no, usually the records take a long time. You know, they, they, you know, we always talk about going quickly, but it never ever happens. It always ends up taking a couple months, and the process really dragging out. And, uh, I said, you know, my my bandmates enormous credit. Everybody really, you know, got down to business, and we didn't waste any time, and um, it went pretty quick. I'm going to come back to that, but I'm curious now. Why do uh, Los Lobos records take a while to get made? You know, that's a hard question to answer. Um, I think a lot of it is we don't really do a lot of prep you know we don't rehearse we don't really learn the songs before we go in so a lot of it is just trying to figure out what they are 
Um, a lot of it is the songs aren't really written per se before we go in. So a lot of times it takes actually starting to get the juices flowing. If you know what I mean? Sure. Uh, and then a lot of times it's just the way that it goes. Like things change, ideas change, parts change. Um, it would be hard to say it's any one thing other than um, I think the guys kind of feel like that records take much longer time than we always allow them to. So they just, it just happens that way. Sure. I myself like, like to get things done. I think it's records are more fun when they're done. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to, you know, sacrifice quality at the expense of anything, especially speed. But when you have a sense of moving quickly through the water, I think it's a lot more fun than, you know, basically just rowing with one oar in the water, which a lot of times it feels like we're doing. Sure. I, I wonder, is that because, you know, I guess that in your lives, it works out that the one time you can get together and actually sort of figure out and discover what a song really is, is when you're in the studio? Yes. Yeah, that would be true, I think. Yeah, just, uh, it, it's it's always, it's always a process of discovery. I mean, and some of it is even the records, I mean, like what the record is kind of has to reveal itself over time. Sometimes you think it's going to be something and then the record, the records reveal themselves to be something completely different than what you anticipated. I'd say certainly a Gates of Gold, the last one that we put out was like that. And the one before was like, we, we talked about, uh, town of the city. We talked we had just come off doing a tour of the Kiko album. So we sort of had that, that in our heads more or less. And we talked about doing a record that more or less, I mean, it wasn't like our, our second version of Kiko, but we just talked about, you know, employing some of the same techniques that we used in that record. And it, it completely went, <laughs> went complete opposite way. Just, it was anything but that. So I think we learned over time to not really predict what these things are going to be just to kind of show up with an open mind and, and be ready for anything. And I think that works a lot better for everybody really. Well, and but it also it also is the, the antithesis of moving quickly and getting stuff done and like you know getting getting that sense of of momentum going. It's it's you know the, the way we do it is the literal antithesis of creating momentum. Right. Well, and I'd also imagine that you know it's one thing for a you know for a band in their in their twenties to. You know, you you know, you spend more time together, but as you have, you know, as you're as you mature and you have families and you know and full and full fledged lives outside the band, just being able to physically just being able to get that many people together in one room probably takes a lot of work these days. Uh, it just takes a little planning, I would say, not necessarily work. I mean, we all it's part of our uh our cycle, I guess you could say, like we always, there, there's an internal clock that sort of says, you know, every, what, two and a half years or so, hey, you know, it's time for some four years now, so the last one, so we're definitely overdue. Right. But I would say the hardest, the harder part of, of this is is coming up with a, an idea that, that resonates. You know, it's it's not just enough um, to make a record anymore, I don't think. And, you know, you need a, a reason to get people to be excited. I mean, it's, you know, we've we've made records that we thought were really good, like Gates of Gold and Town City, and you know we've seen reviews and people say, well, you know, Ho Hum, another another great record from Los Lobos. Like, 
geez, you guys are going to get how hard that But I get it. You know, it's just the way that it is now. People are, you know, they're used to more extravaganzas or, hey, this collaboration or, you know, some other reason to, to add it to their Spotify account than just here's another record. Sure. And or we do not, you know, do smaller things like a lot of my friends are doing like an EP or a bunch of singles or, you know, stuff that isn't a quote unquote record. But, you know, we are definitely old dogs. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Like we like the idea of a, of a record that unfolds over time and you get a, a contour and you get to see what, you know, we have two writers. So there's, it's sort of like the ebb and flow of a record is, is important to us, even though it, I think it's become less important to the rest of the world. Sure. Well, yeah. And I, you know, I've come to appreciate, I get that, um, you know, as somebody who on one level, like I realized I used, like I used to do campus radio and I look back at, at my records and, I, and albums and I realize how many albums, like I, I remember the three or four songs in that album I used to play on my show and, um, that, you know, record that there are records I know as records. And then there's a lot of records I know as a collection of songs. So I appreciate the people who see it that way, but I also, you know, when you hear a great album, you understand what an album is and why, you know, why the artist put the time in and why the artist really does want you to hear it as an album. Right. Yeah, that that would be, I think, I, I safely speak on behalf of the band, that's the way we look at it. Like, we we were raised on records. Like, we that was, that was the thing that, that, literally fueled us as kids and you know to a certain extent as adults and so we yeah it's it's not just one cool like this whole singles thing i get it i mean i, I really do understand it it's just not it's nowhere near as 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 impressive or fun to me to get all excited about one song as it is to get you know a new record from somebody whose work i really like and i'm excited about and you get to go deep and you know it's always that or usually these days for me anyway it's like a, a bit of a Oh, uh, this isn't as good as the last one. And then you, you know, you listen, it's that third or fourth list and you kind of figure out what they're doing. And it's like, Oh my God, this is the best record they've ever made. You know, I, I go through that same process I went through as a, you know, as an adolescent a lot. And I guess to a certain extent, I, it's like, okay, that's how I am. That's how music is. That's, this is the fun part. You know, if it's just one song or one thing, and then it's like, all right, well, especially these days, it's like, you know, you, you consume that and then you're on to the next one, whether it was whatever it is, you know, it's just, I don't have time to go deep on anything anymore. So I appreciate that. I enjoy listening to records as records. I, I, I like, even when I download them, I always double check to make sure that I get the sequence right. Cause a lot of times, even in, in Apple music, they come upside down, which is horrific <laughs> as a You're producer. Right. And all this time you, you battle with everybody to get a sequence that you think works. And then it comes in literally the opposite of your sequence. It's like, Man, you guys couldn't check that. Like, that's there's not anybody at, at Apple, like, literally just going, Hey, wait a minute, this record's coming in upside down. Like, Jesus Christ, dude. But it happens a lot. I've seen it more often than not. Wow. To, to go back to the Christmas record for a minute, did anybody in the group have to be convinced that doing a Christmas record was a good idea? No, no, we had, no, we, we had actually gotten, you know, I wouldn't, I mean, in our world, it's, you know, very few things actually rise to an actionable level. <laughs> <You> know, <so. laughs> 
there's a there's a lot of uh, discussions about hey we should really do this and then when the you know the drinks wear off you know what what was that what were we talking about so um, but numerous drink fuel discussions uh, had been had about hey we should really do our own Christmas record and then like hey we should really do our own Christmas record before we, we sign another record deal so we don't have to deal with the record company you know like all that crap but it literally like we it's it would be we're not one of those bands that can that can invest the time and resources and do the, all the infrastructure part of putting out their own records. It's just not going to ever happen. So I know that. I think the guys on some level actually know that, although they talk about, you know, doing it a lot. So it really takes somebody outside of us to say, Hey, what do you guys think about this idea to make something like this happen? But the fact that we had discussed it and actually had been discussing it for many years, um, and the fact that we hadn't done anything for so long, you know, hadn't put out a record in so long, it just sort of seemed like, well, this could, this is good. We should, you know, we should try it. Uh, it was, uh, it was a good deal for all the way around. We liked the lineup people. They're very enthusiastic, which really make, you know, meant a lot, means a lot to us because the last couple labels we've had, you know, it, everything always starts, you know, it's like baseball. Like, you know, in March, every team looks like they're going to the World Series. And once you actually get into it, um, you realize that there's like one guy that likes it and everybody else couldn't give two shits about it. And that has characterized a lot of our record deals of late. So we liked their enthusiasm a lot. It seemed like they, the lineup people were really engaged from the beginning and they had a lot of really good ideas and they wanted to invest in like our team and like the people that we had on our, on our, uh, like our social media guy. And we had a video guy and, and like you know we had people that we like and they were like total they were 100 percent. oh yeah use your guys it's fine we don't need you know you don't need to use our people or anybody we like just you know use the people you know and like well, that's so that, that was helpful and uh you know just the fact that they are you know we've been on on indies for a while and again it's sort of like there's always like the guy the guy that really loves what you do and then either the people above him or the people on the action level that really don't care. So things just don't happen. And you talk about stuff and it just never happens. And it, that gets very frustrating because as I mentioned, like we feel, you know, we don't make enough records to have it, have one go stillborn on us anymore. I mean, that's just really a bad, bad feeling all the way around. And that's kind of the way the last couple have felt like they were dead before they arrived. Right. So, uh, I don't think this one will be, they've, they've actually shown their support already. They've hired, you know, expensive publicists and they basically not given us any, you know, like everything we have asked for, they were hundred percent down with. So it's been a, to this point, it's been a great relationship.
You considered more than 150 songs for the project. When did that evaluation well, process is, start? This is how we started with it. Because it's not like we're, you know, we collect Christmas. I have a very, very close friend who has done many, many, many Christmas. Uh, he started with cassettes and then he was doing CDs. And he had a, he actually put a record out on Columbia a number of years ago. And then he, so he, he was the first person I called because that's kind of what he's all about. And then um, we talked about it and realized that it, you know it needed to really be a Latin focus. To, like that was our original thing. That was our original idea, like to do a, a Christmas record, sort of of a of a companion piece with uh, with uh, La Pistola, our, our acoustic record that we did after um, after La Bamba. So um, we reached out to two people who I knew who had a really encyclopedic uh, knowledge. Um, one is uh, Gustavo Arellano, I think I'm saying that right, who does the Ask a Mexican column. You know that? Have you seen that? I haven't yet. I'll, I'll check it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Like, he, he's a really funny, cool guy. Um, he, uh, so he has this column, and it's like in the weekly papers, like Ask a Mexican. And he's just a really funny, cool dude. So he had a huge collection. Um, of stuff that he sent. And, uh, so that's, that was where we started. And then I'm, I want to get this guy's last name, like, it matters. Oh, come on computer. Um, so we just out to a, a, another friend that, that does this stuff and, uh, he has a label and he also does, uh, like Christmas, um, um, uh, DJ sets, which is pretty awesome. Um, so he had a, a gigantic uh, collection. I think I would say on balance, like the most of the stuff came from him. And then, you know, as the process unfolded, we got uh, the guys started bringing in stuff. Hey, you know, I, I was like this one. And uh, it, uh, it kind of, once the door was open, again, much like um, our, our records, once the process begins, people engage and, um, Things start happening. Now, did you just record? Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was it. I'm done. Sorry. Anyway, uh, did you only record the number of songs that you planned that you ended up using, or did you record more and then realize this is the album and cut it down to size? Um, no, we we basically uh, to to do it in this time frame. We 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 got. We did no more than than the, uh, we were I think contracted for thirteen, and we got just got to thirteen basically because literally I mean I think we might have gone deeper had we had more time but because we we're looking at this this uh, ridiculous um, time thing that uh, that it was all we could do to get that happening um, within this uh, this window. Did that did that immediacy that tight window? Did that lead to sort of quicker, more intuitive choices, or committing to ideas? Um, no, I don't think so. I think the way that we did it, it was more like um, 
it was one song, like one tune at a time. Like, okay, let's like focus on this. Um, it was not uh, like a. At no point did we uh, sort of take an overview until we were done. Basically, I think you know we were just kind of more focused on on a balance of um, of uh, kind of like dark to light, and uh, you know certainly songs in English was a consideration, and we kind of wanted to touch on a lot of different stuff um more or less so it was uh it was uh that was more the driver i think than um than uh, anything else there are certain sort of um, sig- you know what? i, I, I went right by uh, the guy uh, pablo iglesias was the ah. dude's name who who he supplied i'd say of the 149 i'd say he supplied probably 120 oh wow or maybe 110 of, of the songs that we picked from and yeah and and but I, it was almost more that we didn't necessarily pick from his list. Um, he's also got a, a great label that I should mention called Peace and Rhythm that does uh, Latin reissue records. It's absolutely fantastic. I mean, like just really lovingly uh, restored and, you know, stuff that he's curated and found. Um, just really, really cool label. Um, I think it was almost more like listening to those songs sort of uh, sparked ideas and the guy's like, oh, hey, you know, there's this other one that I really like and, Oh yeah, that's a there's a Hector Lavoe song. Let's go. There's that other Hector, Lavo, you know. So it's sort of a almost the exercise was more that it, it sort of jogged their the stuff that they liked more than hey, let's pick from this laundry list. So oh, it was cool. super useful. I and mean, I think he got a, a curation credit on the record, but it was really much you know between him and Gustavo, it was it was it was super, it was really helpful. I don't I don't know had we not had that resource if this would have gone as quickly or as as fun. Do you remember what song started the session? Yeah, it was Louis's song. It was um, uh, Radio Siente Soul was the first one that we did because inevitably the first song of any Lobos record, it's always like this sort of high noon stare down where, you know, everybody professes to not want to be the first guy. So it's always this thing like, you know, I don't have anything. You got anything? No, I don't have anything. You got anything? No, I don't have shit, man. I'm, I'm out. Like, there's nothing. So for some reason, that song, which has been recorded numerous, I mean, there's like five or six versions of that song that we had, but we went with uh, uh, El Gran Combo, a Cuban band. We went with uh, their version of it. And because um, it was one that everybody liked and everybody agreed upon, it was kind of like right in front of us. Uh, I'm not sure how the decision came that Louis had to sing it, uh, probably because, you know, inevitably he's the one that complains the least about singing. So um, kind of put him on the spot first. But uh, it was a good start because it actually, you know, it has, it has you know, everything that we like. You know, it had like a group vocals, um, it had a great instrumental refrain. It had like a whole bunch of like fun stuff in it. Oh, 
say the other thing that made this process uh, really fun was so we the last record that we did we was at a studio in Orange County that is sadly now gone called uh, Blue something or other and we were trying to figure like the guys don't like to drive to Hollywood I mean traffic in LA is impossible and when we, the last records before that where the guys like they all live in like east of east LA like that's like a two hour ride for most of them when this place closed I was like well now what um, and Dave uh, uh, did a session at this place in East LA that was literally like a block or two blocks in some cases from where the guys either grew up or went to school uh, and it was a fantastic studio with a great engineer named Chris Sorum um, who really made the process like he he was very very key to the to how smooth it went to to how everything sort of fell together because he was extremely low maintenance he kind of figured out everybody's vibe like right away like you know how the guys like to do what they they do and he listened really really closely to what everybody was saying which is another big part of it you know a lot of times um it's easy to like not hear somebody who isn't particularly vocal about something that really matters so i think uh he deserves an enormous amount of credit and just the fact that the guys were literally going home every day making this record was huge i mean just like every day that you know we start with like 45 minutes of hey remember and, like they go down memory lane so for a Christmas record in the middle of June, it kind of made everything, uh, it had a, a certain warmth that uh, I think if it was in Hollywood or some other place, it would have been a different record and probably wouldn't. Uh, another thing that made it go quickly was the fact that they didn't mind driving back to the old neighborhood. Certainly not as much as they would have minded driving to Hollywood where, you know, like I said, we've done a bunch of records. And that studio is literally, like if you look at the album cover, uh, so that that's looking down First Street, in East LA, and it's the, not the corner where the Christmas tree is, but the next corner is the recording studio. So that's, you know, we just literally walked outside to shoot that album cover. Oh, how cool. Um, yeah, it's very cool. Are there certain signifiers that indicate that this is a Christmas song? Because you think about how, you know, in English often, whether it's the ascending melody or bells of some kind, tell you that no matter what the words are, kind of hint to you, you're hearing a, a Christmas song. And I wonder if there are common threads in in these songs uh, or in Spanish uh, songs sung in Spanish language where we can, you know, if we recognize the cue, we'd hear this is a Christmas song. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I, I would, uh, I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, certainly there isn't anything on this record that we did that is that um, what we learned going into it, what we learned having done it is that uh, in the Mexican tradition, it's not as big a deal as it is in Puerto Rico. Like Puerto Rico, for some reason, every Puerto Rican star of the last 50 years has got at least one and in some cases multiple Christmas records. It's crazy. They're just, Puerto Ricans are really, really into Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a ton of, a ton of, Puerto Rican stuff. I mean, a ton of it. Way, 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 way more than anything else uh, that we encountered. So that, which is cool because we love that stuff. And it was, you know, it was very adaptable. So like uh, Yego Navidad, the title song, uh, there's a few that were kind of like, oh uh, yeah, that's that's automatic. And again, like, not necessarily the song per se, but the ideas, like the salsa records, 
and some of the other stuff. The book, there's like Boogaloo Christmas record that you know influenced what we did. If we didn't actually end up doing the actual tune, but uh, to, to answer your question specifically, no, there's not really any. There's no signifier per se. I, I would say there's probably no signifier even in in non-Latin Christmas records. It's just sort of like it's a niche and it's fun to play with because everybody in the world has done one. Donde Este Santa Claus, which was originally 1958 by Augie Rios. Uh, Rios. And I've always been a little ambivalent about that song because on one hand it's really catchy, but it's also so written with cliches and written by, written by songwriters who weren't Hispanic that I've always had sort of you know, mixed feelings about it. What was the band's take on the song and how did that influence the way you made it? In the middle of the recording of this, um, I had a family trip. My, my mom's uh, it was her 89th birthday, and she took all of us, all my brothers and sisters, and all of our families to Israel for a week. That was like her her wish. So this was scheduled a long time ago, and it was literally right in the middle of this recording, and I, I couldn't not. I had to go. So um, they were sending me stuff as it was being worked on, and that one came out of nowhere. I had, I, you know, I, I wasn't, I was not aware of that song. And, uh, I would, I could not tell you how it came to be, but I'm really glad it did. I, there was, I was like, wow, this, this is really cool. Uh, so, uh, I wish I could answer that question for you, but I think Caesar brought it in. I think it was one that he had, it kind of st- like I said, like somebody's just like, we'd start a conversation about a different song and then it would be like, Hey, what about this song? And we go, look on YouTube and try and dig it up. And uh, so that's how that one came to be. And it's sort of like we wanted something that was sort of a East LA grinder, like that one turned out, you know, sort of that uh, war, I don't know, Midnighters kind of vibe. And I, I, I think it lent itself well to that treatment. I'm, I'm really happy with the way that one came out. Now, you also, this time, y'all have one original Christmas song on the record, uh, Christmas and You. 
what can you tell me right. about the experience of c- creating your own Christmas song? Well, that was kind of uh, towards the end of the process, and we were still looking for, you know, we were at like nine or ten songs. I was back at that point. And uh, we were like just trying to fill it out, like, okay, what, what's, what haven't we done? What, what can we do that's not here? And I think it was Louie who started who started thinking, well, maybe we could come up with a with a one of our own. And I know him and Dave talked about a little bit and how it would be cool to have sort of like to try and write something that was effectively like a a classic Christmas song. You know, there is sort of a you know, a lot of the best ones are super simple and just heartfelt, and I say that one is right there. I, I think that I, it, my favorite, it's one of my favorite songs on the record, and it came together very quick. I mean, once from the idea stage to the recording stage, I'd say it was probably like three days, maybe four days. And a lot of our, a lot of songs, like stuff happens, like uh, on Good Morning Aslan, which is what I don't know, five or six records ago. We were in a similar similar place where it was like we're down to the end of the thing, and we're like, man, it's it's missing one thing. You just you know innately when, that it's missing something, but you don't necessarily know what it is. You just feel like, oh, it's there's one more, one more song that needs to kind of fill this out. And that song, Good Morning Aslan, was it was Thursday afternoon. That was Friday. It was like the second to last day. We had to hand the thing in the next day, and that song just came out of nowhere, and it was. It was like that afternoon. I found a studio, found a drummer, and it all came together like in insanely fast, like literally record speed. The, the record from from initiation to execution was like maybe seventy two hours, and I'd say this one was probably about the same, like seventy two hours from in it from. Hey, wouldn't it be cool left to actually finishing it. And I love the vocal. I think that was the other cool thing was so we had been doing this record while we were touring so we would do like a three or four day weekend like we often do now and come back and do like two or three days in the studio so we were coming up to the deadline and the a lot of songs Dave's songs hadn't been sung Caesar would work on his at home because he's got a studio at home that works well for him but Dave does not so a lot of this was left to, to Dave to sing right at the very end which I personally really I don't like that I mean I, I, I don't I don't like the pressure that it puts on him. You know, he, he, you know, I mean, he definitely can stand up to pressure, but I, I just hate like putting him in that place. It's just, it's always tough because he gets anxiety about it. And it's just, it's not fun for him. And it, it would be fun for anybody, but that's where we were. And, you know, sort of like the last day, last minute. And he just knocked them all, like he did like three or four, like bang, 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 uh, and knocked them all out of the park. That one in particular, I thought he just sang the crap out of him. I wonder if 
One thing I was thinking about, you you finish with Feliz Navidad, which on one hand, obviously for for American audiences, that's like the best known Spanish language Christmas song. And so it seems really natural. But I wonder, because I don't have any idea, does it occupy the same space in Spanish speaking countries? Uh, I don't know. I, I It's funny. I, and it's also, you know, Jose, uh, it, I, I think it's kind of more identified as a, as a sort of a Mexican song. So again, like the Mexicans are a little less sentimental about Christmas or at least recording wise than Puerto Ricans. But we tried to do our own thing with it. That actually was one that it, we discussed at late, like, you know, do we really need to do this? Should we bother? I mean, is this, is this worth doing? I mean, it's kind of a, it's definitely, on, it was on the, the bubble in terms of like, you know, does the world need another version of this? But we, we tried to put our own spin on it. And, uh, the, uh, the you know we kind of had fun with it. We had uh, everybody who was in the studio. So that day we were filming a lot. Of, so as the record comes out, there'll be like a lot of video stuff. We ended up um, shooting a ton of video of the process, which is kind of cool. So that day we had everybody, like all the videographers and a bunch of other people, and just everybody who was just hanging out that day. Just a lot of. As the record, as we got to the end, it seemed like a lot more people were hanging out in the studio. So we have this, there'll be a, a cool video of us. Uh, for some reason, somebody had the idea of like us walking around and singing that, Belize Navidad, Belize Navidad. And just so like we're walking around this microphone singing that. Um, I have no idea if it actually sounds like people walking around singing it, but uh, it, it, the video is going to look pretty funny. Love the uh, the the group um, uh, the group element the big the giant group vocal. Uh, why did why yeah, right. d- what was the idea behind it? Well, we thought you know if we're going to do it, 
um, let's, like I said, try and have fun with it. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a, I mean, it's only really two parts. So we try to make it uh, something different, you know, trying to elevate that, that part of it. Um, I, it was really more just trying to have fun. I mean, really nothing more than that. Like, if, all right, so we're doing this. Let's, 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 let's have a blast with it. Sure. The other part of it for us was just like, how do we end this? Like, what's a, like, it didn't seem like any of the other songs had the appropriate sort of like, what, Christmas spirit, dare I say? Uh, right. <laughs> so, uh, that one did. It just sort of like, okay, well, it, it, this is the perfect way to say goodbye. So um, that was a big part of it for us, too. Like, that kind of made, all right, yeah, I could see this working in the sequence. How does the album fit into the larger body of uh, Los Lobos music? Um, you know, it's clearly not uh, in exactly the same place that, say, uh, Kiko or Gates of Gold would be. Uh, you know, it's it was it's all you know, 12th, 13th covers. Um, so I think it's somewhere closer to one of the children's records that we've done. Um I guess I don't know. I mean, I, I, we're very proud of it, obviously, and uh, it's it was super fun to make, and we're glad it's coming out. And uh, um, you know, at this point, like I was alluding to earlier, it gets harder and harder to come up with a rationale to make another record. So um, this was a perfect rationale to make another record. Didn't really require any like, well, you know, who cares? It just doesn't matter. Like, who's really, you know, who really gives crap if this exists or not? I think obviously people would enjoy this thing who doesn't like Christmas songs. Um, so it sort of answered a few questions itself that we normally would ask in another, in another setting. Um, and clearly we didn't get like super experimental on stuff with it. Like we didn't, it doesn't, it's not as dare I say, uh, left or wacky sounding as some of our stuff. So it, it was just, it, it was, uh, it allowed us to, to, we just have some fun in the studio and create something that I think, uh, like perhaps, if you will, a missing, like we never did anything like this before. So we've sort of done a version of a lot of other stuff over the years, but there's obviously no Christmas record. So this kind of fits in, in a spot that wasn't occupied by anything else we've ever done. Thanks to Steve Berlin for the time and the talk. You can find Los Lobos online at Facebook, where you can also find me at 12 Songs of Christmas. Stop by and leave a comment. If you're listening to this on the 12 Songs homepage, you might want to subscribe at the Apple Store, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify, so that a new episode will show up in your inbox every Wednesday between now and 12th night. Thanks, as always, to AF The Naysayer for our theme music. Thanks to you for listening. And a big thanks this week to Thomas Walsh, a podcast producer here in New Orleans who helped me get 12 songs off the ground. This episode is a day late because while editing it, I discovered that the volume dropped precipitously on Steve Berlin's voice partway through the conversation. I didn't hear it while we were talking, but it was so severe that I couldn't use it as was. I asked Thomas what to do, and he generously offered to work on it. He made a great save. The results are impressive. You may have noticed a little extra ambient noise at times, 
but that was an unavoidable part of his recovery work. Anyway, we'll finish today with Augie Rios' original version of Donde Esta Santa Claus from 1958, which we mentioned earlier in the episode. Talk to you next week. Mamacita Mamacita, 